Seated. Let's call attention to the ninth meeting of the Order of the Straight Arrow. Feels it. good to be here. We're almost at ten. We are. We're one past eight. We're almost on season one. Yeah. Wow. Look at how time flies. Well, of course, it's myself, Dustin, Scout Troop Leader, uh, Lays with Beef, to my right, the historian Denim, also known as Smoking Dart. Not smoking beaver. <laughs> And directly across from Smoking Dart, you have myself, Chief Runs With Bins. And it's the motherfucking tip of the spear. It's free beer, or you can call me by my real name, Lucas Wesley Snipes. So, let's kick this meeting off with the Straight Arrow Oath. Uh, those of you in scout uniform, three-finger salute, and I apologize to all the scouts in the past that I've wronged. I've been getting it wrong for, I believe, seven episodes now. <laughs> Uh, those in civilian clothes, like most of you listening, hand over your heart and repeat after me. A straight arrow tells the truth. A straight arrow loves nature. A straight arrow always unplugs the iron after use. And a straight arrow is always against Bill H.R. 57, which would allow the importation of South American propane. Can I get a round table? Wima Tanya? Wima Tanya! All right. This meeting has begun. Let's flip it over to the historian to give us a little bit about this episode. Well, this is season one, episode nine, entitled Peggy the Boggle Champ. It was written by the writing team of Jonathan Abel and Glenn Berger. They also wrote Westy Side Story um, a couple episodes back. And they're also the producers on Kung Fu Panda. I watched that again, actually, on Tuesday night. Oh, no shit. Yeah, and it's it holds up. It's a great movie. Love it. Still good, eh? Yeah, still good. I, I I watched it not that long ago also, too. But it's just you got to keep that one on. Yeah, that's definitely kept in my rotation. I don't know about you guys at the table. It's in my list, perpetually. It was directed by one-time King of the Hill director, Chuck, Chuck Sheets. Uh, this is his only credit with King of the Hill, but he's had a pretty steady job with The Simpsons and Scooby-Doo since 1997. Rot-row. So. Which Scooby-Doo is that? The, uh, the What's new Scooby-Doo? Oh, okay. The, yeah. the newer one. I get, obviously, yeah. yeah. I, I watched a bit of that, I think, back in yeah. the day. When I was younger, Saturday morning cartoons. I think so. It, it holds up. I mean, it's a Scooby-Doo. Well, thank you, historian, for that great introduction to a great episode, correct? We all we all love this one. I'm seeing varying opinions. Yeah, oh, fuck so. yeah, great episode. So uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about what happens in this episode? <laughs> In this episode, Piggy and Hank head to Dallas so Piggy can't compete in a boggle tournament. But Hank decides to forego the tournament in order to attend a lawnmower expo. And what an expo it sounds like. Um, for me personally, I really just wish that this entire episode took place at the lawnmower show. Because <laughs> we just kind of scraped the tip of it there and it was it looked like a lot of fun. I actually have something I want to mention before we really dive into this episode. And I kind of have, like, a little bit of a theory or, like, an idea. So, like, 
this episode kind of sucks. It's really not very good. The storylines are v- like not compelling. The side characters are pretty bad in the Sissy Cobb and her husband. But I think I, I wish that the plot line for Hank was better. And if they really wanted to go the boggle and make this a Peggy episode, they could have done it better. And I would have loved to see the mower show in just another episode. I think those are some good points. I'm going to I'm gonna kind of branch off of one of them. I think you're right with the villains of this episode that kind of quickly introduced and quickly swept under the rug. Uh, Sissy Cobb and her husband, Mrs. Mr. Sissy Cobb. I think it's like Brent. Yeah, Burnett. Is it Burnett? Yeah. Okay. Uh, anyways, because like, you're right. The the male antagonist to Hank just goes right for what Hank's most like loves the most, John Wayne. So it's just like a quick like, how do we get Hank mad at this character really fast? And then also just slap a full pink outfit and give her a shitty laugh, and we all hate her already. So that laugh sucks. Yeah, no doubt. Um, I actually so I watched this episode like maybe seven times to actually try and like really find something interesting to say, but um. I kind of thought I have like a really good idea for an episode. So I think I would have the husband of Sissy Cobb have been like a safety on the opposing team that beat him at state years ago. And then have like, so Hank, you know, maybe he's kind of not super wanting to support Peggy, but they bond and team up over teaming up to beat the two of them. And then I would have had the guys maybe just tag him along because they're, like, scared. They don't want to be alone all weekend. And then uh, so does his boys, who are just, like, bizarro world versions <laughs> of the guys. So, like, they could have some funny scenes up in that, like, coach's CT yeah, like, television I, room. I like that. I think that's a good idea. I'm considering how most of what Dale, Bill, and Boomhauer talk about is, like, their – this is like their road trip when they went to state. Exactly. Right? It's like, it's obviously just such a huge part of their lives still like 25 years later, 20 years later, whatever it was. And yeah, I think that's totally plausible. Yeah. I think, yeah, like Peggy's boggle thing should have been pushed to like the C plot. Well, even no, but even in that episode, it could have been the A plot still. It just would have been instead of like Hank really having like a, shitty realization that he should be at like the mower show looked sick and he just saw a thing spitting out mulch that made it look like a boggle timer so he just yeah. decided he needed to go and then um i agree that's a really good uh point because that a plot line it i don't want to call it lazy because they they do beautiful writing like even for the classic tropes but like the decision hank has to make whether to like do the right do the right thing for his wife or enjoy himself with his friends is like kind of like pretty classic conflict in any uh, marriage sitcom. So you're right. I think the idea you had for an episode was a lot more interesting and like played on the characters actual like histories and backstories um, would play really well. Yeah. Uh, just, and just to further agree with uh, that's what you two guys said. Um, I think um, in order to make this particular story better, you could have easily done something like Denim said, right? Because in theory, you have two sort of strings, two storylines that are happening, right? You have Hank, and his he's kind of over here, and then eventually it goes to one point, and you have Peggy and what she's doing, and eventually that goes to the exact same point. But if you bring in a third one, a third group of people, a third group of characters, and then also end at that same point at the uh, at the show, like Denim was saying, with... Um, 
with the other buddies and, you know, having someone else that he had played previously in the football match, I think that that would have worked better. So you think it works better than having uh, Luan and Bobby be the C-plot at home? Yeah, I mean that there. I mean that had its moments. You know, I, I yeah. enjoyed like the actual like the visual kind of mm-hmm. gag of seeing everyone run around. But other than that, it just seemed a little, uh, I guess, lackluster. I agree completely. And this is the first episode uh, that we've reviewed, at least, where I was like the the side plot was like my favorite. I was like, please go back to Bobby and Luann home alone, like the ragtag group of carpet cleaners that he hired. I can't. That's that was probably my favorite part of the episode. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you. I really like the kind of Tweedledee and Tweedledumass kind of approach that they took to Bobby and Luann. It was, it was a good uh, good dynamic. I liked it. My favorite is any time the Moe show was involved. That just looks like so much fun. Sunday, Sunday, and Saturday. It's the ninth annual Dallas Mower Expo. Be there as the biggest names in mowers, hedgers, and clippers unveil the latest in grass-cutting technology. Thrill to the awe-inspiring spectacle of the Snapper Precision Mowing Team. See King Mulch take on a Texas-sized pile of twigs. Over 10,000 oil paintings must be sold. Don't miss Why? Why? Be there. <laughs> They cut right back to the gang, and there's an oil painting hanging right behind them. I don't understand the oil painting <laughs> I love it, though. <laughs> no, it's because you know how at the Boggle Tournament, Hank has something to do? Like, they, they set up the wallet-making thing. Oh. They do the oil paintings for the wives that have to get dragged along to the mower show. They have to get sold. So I guess we should really just get into this episode. So right before that, the Peggy and the ladies are playing Boggle, and Peggy's running a, running a school on teaching men how to play. She charged her 13 bucks for Boggle lessons. <laughs> you know, the Elks are having a Boggle tournament to raise bail money for their treasurer. Maybe you should enter. Me? Oh, fish. I just play for fun. Min, you owe me $13. <laughs> <laughs> and then Min asks her uh, about Mahjong. Does anybody know that game? I was going to look it up, but I didn't have time to this week. Yeah, played it. On, like, you, the computer. Do, do you lose a lot of money? Uh, no, I think it meant because she was going to teach her how. Oh, I thought it was just like, I don't know. Well, maybe they were betting, but I was under the impression that it was like a lesson and that she paid her, she charged her $13. And then I just thought that Min was like, oh, I'm so good at Mahjong that my lessons are going to be worth more than you got. I don't know anything about the game, but I just assumed it was a gambling game. It's like dominoes. I'm sure that maybe they do, but it's like, you just got to like match pictures and stuff. And, um, yeah, stepping back, uh, somewhat the... Boggle, it wasn't lessons. It was they they were betting on it. Oh, were they? Remember she opens up the dictionary and she goes, Yeah, it's not a word. You owe me I win again, you owe me however much it was. Right? I think it was because Peggy kept winning, that's why she were. Oh, but I thought right I thought right before she said something about lessons. No, she taught her the game, I think. But they it wasn't like proper lessons. Uh, I don't know. Enough about fucking Mahjong. <laughs> Boggle. I don't know what that shit is, but so we find out Peggy does decide to go and play in the Elks uh, Boggle Tournament. And when they're, the panning opening scene of when they're arriving at the Elks Lodge, you see a number 23 on the Elk Building. So I Googled that, trying to figure out how that order went. And the actual Elk Lodge 23 is in Buffalo, New York, opened in 1884. How many is there? Like a fucking ton. They had 23 at least by 1884. So. <laughs> I guess, yeah. Uh, what what's the other game that the Elks play? Cow bingo. Cow bingo. Like, did anybody know anything about cow bingo? Yeah, somebody should inform me about cow bingo. I know too much about cow bingo. <laughs> I didn't think we were gonna talk about it because it's cow bingo. But <laughs> cow bingo is when there's a there's a field 
like a perfectly square field, and then they make like a hundred squares, like perfectly all the same size squares, and then they basically, and then you bet on it. Like you pick a square. Where the cow's gonna shit? Yes. And it's burnt. Like, there's all these rules. Like, what if it lands in two? Like, the bigger heap goes to, like, the winning square. It's just so ridiculous. Hank is not a fan of it. Oh, what if it lands on, like, four? Whoever's got the most dung. Massive, <laughs> massive Dugans. This is just someone who's just like, let's just bet on shit. Let's just find some shit to bet on. Hey, not talking about That's, shit. Yeah. All right, Peggy, I replaced my watch battery, ate a Cinnabon, and bought a P-Trap. I can't kill any more time. Let's go. Hank's three things that he does to kill time. <laughs> I love it. And, like, P-Trap, that's, like, under the sink plumbing, obviously. And have you guys noticed Peggy keeps that on her boggle table every time she plays? Yes, I did, and I was going to question it. Yeah, like, it's not lucky. Like, he did that to kill time, and he's not even getting to use it. But it made me wonder what's in the picture frame, and how did she get that troll? Um, I watched the deleted scenes, and I see what's in the picture frame. Okay, what is it? It is, like, a family photo of Hank, Bobby, and Peggy with, like, a scotch tape, like, cut out of Luann's face, like, taped <laughs> into the corner. But I thought Hank's, like, yeah, his his activities to amuse himself for, like, 45 minutes were pretty funny, but my favorite part about that is that Dale's with him. Like, Dale's got nothing <laughs> better to do than follow Hank around the hardware store while Peggy plays Boggle. Like, Dale, you live in this town. I mean, Nancy must be there. No, we don't see her. I don't think she's there. But she was the one who was all telling Peggy about it. But Nancy's got better things to do. She's probably a John Redcorn. John Redcorn, so I don't think Nancy was there. Unfortunately, we don't get to see John Redcorn too hot in season one because of the the passing of his voice actor. So he comes back in full-fledged in season two. But at the Elks Lodge, Peggy does very well. She ends up winning the Elks Arlen Boggle Tournament. And she wins, like... By a mile, right? Like, She's getting all arrogant. yeah, exactly. She is getting all arrogant. And there was uh, there was something I wanted to bring up. Uh, if you remember back to the do's and don'ts, uh, so there was another rule. It was rule twenty four about robotic clapping and laughing in a group. I decided like I'd pick a few rules for this uh, episode and just see if they, you know, follow suit. And and they do. I noticed in every single scene where there's a crowd and the crowd is reacting or they they're playing a part in the scene all of the claps and all of the mouths are like out of sync so they open and close at different times they clap at different times and some certain like people in the crowd have like different reactions some like cheer some clap some like put one hand up some don't do anything right like it's it they really do stay true to the realistic crowd it's funny king of the hill was had this in like 96 like, this, this animation guide, but, like, video games, it took until, like, a couple years ago. Like, sports ones in particular, like, you'd score a goal on the whole, like, it was so burnt. The crowd reactions, and they the were, like, square heads and just, like, cheering so, like, unrealistically. Yeah, they just have the sound effect. It's literally that, and then just a bunch of faceless bodies sitting still in the stands. They have to invent original acting. Yeah, exactly, and that's how they do it. Okay, so Peggy absolutely works all the other hillbillies in Hillbilly Town at the Elks Boggle Tournament. She comes home with a huge trophy. Uh, Bobby points out it's actually bigger than Hank's trophy. And she informs her family that she's going to the state championship, which happens to be in Dallas. You're going to state? Ooh, that's so exciting. Just like when Uncle Hank went to state for high school football. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's exactly <laughs> like that, Luann. <laughs> exactly. 
Oh, that's just such an insulting comparison <laughs> to Hank. Oh, he was so close of being a state champion, and Peggy wins a boggled tournament. <laughs> I think this is a perfect time to introduce if, like, he had a rival in that game. Yeah, it would have been. He could have flashbacked right there to I some, just, like... And I picture Burnett, like, in this, this episode that you're being, like, everything Hank hated in the 70s, like, long, blonde, like... Like Sunshine from Remember the yeah, Titans, that quarterback yes. who like just shouldn't be there. But well, I mean, I guess he should be there. But he's not the prototypical like square jaw, like, buzz cut football player, right? He's out of his element in in southern states where it's not surfer surfer bros. Yeah, yeah, definitely a good point. That would have been a perfect time to just add in uh, a line about that. Say like Sissy was like what Peggy is to Hank, yeah. Sissy is to that guy. So it's kind of like a mere, like, rainy street coming in from another small town. And I, I felt that way, too, just by how they both go to the same tournament and they both do the same thing. Like, the husbands are both in the same position. Like, they are very, very similar and very mirrored. And we're just kind of forced to hate them because they're un- unlikable. I honestly kind of just feel like the episode... Never mind, I'll get to that at the end. We'll cut that. Fair, fair enough. Fair enough. I wanted to hear what uh, Hank has to say about Dallas. <laughs> Dallas? I don't want you going to Dallas at all. That place is crawling with crackheads and debutantes, and half of them play for the Cowboys. <laughs> so it's kind of hard to figure out exactly what Hank's referring to then, but the 96 Dallas Cowboys had their issues. Uh, they are coming off a Super Bowl this uh, the, the previous year, and they it was kind of the end of their their dominance. They had won, I think, three Super Bowls in less than 10 years under the... like. That's impressive. Yeah, I think it was something. I know Troy Aikman won three. And he was the starting quarterback from 89 to 2000. So okay. before 97, they won three. So, yeah, they were a, an elite team. And there was a lot of controversy going around with them. Skip Bayless wrote an entire book about it. I won't go into that because a lot of people hate it and think it's just completely unfounded. And he was just trying to hype, his, hype his book pretty much, yeah. But there was some things that happened. Um, just before the Cowboys were gearing up to play the Carolina Panthers in the 96 NFC division, uh, playoff game. Uh, there are, a report came out that star wideout Michael Irvin and offensive tackle Eric Williams were accused of sexual assault while under the influence of cocaine. The accuser was the Dallas Cowboys cheerleader Nina Chavaran. She she claimed that they sexually assaulted her, put a gun to her head, and filmed the entire. The film, the entire this thing. This is like just after their win of the division championship. No, this is just before the game. No, like before the Super Bowl. This is before the division division championship. Oh, before game. the division championship. They didn't win a Super Bowl this year. How else would you celebrate? <laughs> <laughs> That's fucked up. Yes. So anyway, That's fucked up. The whole story, like, just completely overshadowed, like the team and the game and everything, and it turned out to be one hundred percent fabricated. And it was fake? It was totally fake. And she, she she admitted to it, and she actually pled guilty to perjury and spent three months in jail and had to pay a fine. What? Yeah. So, yeah, she, but, yeah, she fucked the Cowboys, right? Like, that's... Single? Was, yeah. was, so, was she a Panthers fan? She's a Dallas Cowboys cheerleader. She oh, it was a, a cheerleader? She's a cheerleader, yeah. I missed the beginning She's of the story. She's on this cocaine and pistol party with my <laughs> What? That's yeah. insane. Yeah, pretty badass. And did she say why she did it? No, I didn't. I didn't dive into that. But she, yeah, she spent ninety days in jail for, for <laughs> perjury because of it. So yeah, she. Uh, wow. 
probably got a few death threats in the state of Texas. Oh, I'm yeah. not going to lie. But anyway, uh, moving past that, that's Hank's, I guess, part of his reason why he doesn't want to go to Dallas. Debbie does prison house. <laughs> All right. So Blue and silver is the new black. So I think there is a quick scene before the next morning where, is it this scene where Hank goes to the boys and say, guess who's got three tickets to the expo? And this is guess who's going to the mower show. And if you guess right, you can come with me. <laughs> and Bill's not so sure. <laughs> Did I get it? Let's go, Peggy. We got to get to Dallas before the gangs wake up. <laughs> like what time do you think that is, honestly? <laughs> uh, 11? Yeah, Depends. Yeah. Is this Wednesday? This is probably a weekend. How long is it going to take for them to drive from Ireland to Dallas? Good question. I think it's like two to three hours. I think one of them say like two hours. But I found this quote pretty funny just because the fact that Hank thinks gangs are on like a similar sleep schedule as himself. (laughs) (laughs) Like I think they're up all night like doing gang shit. (laughs) So his 4 a.m. wake up to get there at seven generously. like (laughs) Cocaine sales start when propane sales end. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, like, when do the first 40s crack open? Like, when does gang shit happen in the morning? Like, it's got to be, like, noon-ish, right? Can I go back to bed, Aunt Peggy? I need to get eight hours of beauty sleep and then write a paper on it. <laughs> so Luann is already failing her paper, <laughs> considering she woke up. <laughs> I love it. Honestly, that's the first thing I thought about. I was like, man, that's the easiest assignment, and Luann still fucks it up. Like, she still fucks it up. Like, I mean, Hank fucks it up, to be fair. Fair enough, but oh, goddamn Luann. She's hilariously terrible at I, life. I just, I would, you know, I kind of, thinking about it again, I wish that the uh, subplot here was more of them just, like, her trying to entertain Bobby by renting these movies and like doing getting your paper done while like Bobby was just like dicking around because the parents are gone mm-hmm. instead of them failing to clean up the house after the tiniest spill. I was just going to say quickly, Denim, um, before that, what is Hank doing honking his horn like that? Like he wrote the rainy street like block charter and you're not even allowed to mow your lawn until 8 a.m. And Dale signed it with his real name. He didn't sign it Rusty Shackelford like everything else. <laughs> that's, that's actually unbelievable because I, d- I didn't think about that. What I was thinking is I thought maybe he was going to rev his engine, but he didn't want to wake up the whole neighborhood, so he honked instead. But no, you're totally right. Uh, that's so disrespectful. Maybe he's just that excited for the expo because once in a lifetime. I don't, I don't know if you've ever been to one of those, but... Considering all of Rainy Street's pretty much going to this thing, and like all the ladies are coming out to meet him, and who cares if Con wakes up? Yeah, who does care? Not me. And there's no sexy little import mowers at that fucking mower show. <laughs> I, I don't know where Liberace's motor mower's from. <laughs> uh, but back to what you just brought up, Tanum. Uh, I love the dynamic of Luann and Bobby by themselves because there's no clear-cut leader. (laughs) Because Luann is just that dense and Bobby's just like a naive 12-year-old that just like doesn't care and like doesn't understand things. And like, I loved it. Yeah, I actually, I felt like we got to see a big, like 
chunk of Bobby's responsible side because he really he kind of takes the reins on this one, you know. You're right, he does. Like yeah. Luann more panics, and then he plays the calm, cool one where it's like we got to get this shit dealt with. And like he he already starts off before something goes wrong. He's already doing his own laundry. Yeah, yeah. He was. He, you could tell immediately he was very concerned <laughs> and like he was making an effort to be very responsible. Which, given what we've seen of him so far, hasn't always been this, like the case. You know, that's always hasn't always been his style. No, absolutely. Like I'm 23 and I still don't do my own laundry. <laughs> You're 23. The best part, uh, in my mind, is that he's in his underpants. Like he's got one pair of short pants and he's currently <laughs> washing them. That reminds me of somebody that I know. Yeah, I know who you're talking about. <laughs> I just want to clarify, my mom doesn't do my laundry. It just never gets done. I saw the international sign for laundry and it was just a figure eight. Because it never ends. We find Bobby and Luann home alone, and they're both clearly really enjoying the hang peg you're gone. Yeah, like when Bobby does that sliding scene about risky business, I was like, oh, risky business. And then Luann references it, and I was like, oh, of course. And then she rents a second movie. I also got a fire safety video starring Chuck Mangione. <laughs> and there he is again, folks. This is, this is his second of... I think ten total appearances in King of the Hill. It's still so perplexing to me why like, why they picked Chuck Mangione, but also why like Luann, like he's like this like heartthrob, like he's like some stud like Hollywood actor or like rock and roll singer or something. But he's Chuck Mangione. Yeah, because he's a he's a he's a trumpet player, right? So what exactly? Uh, flugelhorn. Oh, flugelhorn, buddy. Okay, so what exactly qualifies a flugelhorn <laughs> player to be a fire safety video fucking representative? Back he'll do it. But I like, yeah, like you're right. I don't understand why he's doing these videos. Also, I mostly don't understand why Luann is renting it. Like, I could see it being like, hey, this is Megalomart's like fire safety video. You get it free with every fire extinguisher. But like, she rented it. Like, she could have oh, got literally paid, any movie she, ever. She paid for it. And I, I'm thinking now, like, the reason like Chuck Mangione's in it, it's like this is like roughly 20 years or so since Feels So Good. So I think they came the hill putting him in there to like, oh, he's down on his luck. He'll be the Megalomar spokesperson. He'll do a fire safety video. But then he plays himself in <laughs> King of the Hill. So it's like it's probably fucking true. And what I found interesting is Luann says she gets it from Blockbuster. And like I've I've rented videos from Blockbuster. There was not a lot of safety videos. Like I swear she went to the library. Like that's where you find that kind of shit. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't know. Maybe Blockbuster was just up on that stuff. In 2000, Chuck Mangione, he, Chuck Mangione. Chuck Mangione. Chuck Mangione. Don't act like you know him. <laughs> <laughs> he released the album Everything for Love, and he had a song on it entitled Peggy Hill. I believe that was the song we introed the episode with. It's a groovy little number. You sent it to me, and I totally didn't listen to it. Yeah, so. I've, I've been, I, I apologize. I've actually for been that. like listening to some Chuck all week. Um, put him on today at work, and people were kind of perplexed. Like, why are we listening to this at work? Yeah, and when we we talked about Chuck Mangione, and I talked about how Feel So Good lost out to Billy Joel for Grant, like, album of the year. And uh, when we talked about that episode, I was like, whoa, man, like, Billy Joel beat out Chuck Mangione. And it was just like, oh, wait, Chuck Mangione doesn't fucking say anything. <laughs> like, he's got no lyrics. It's just like, well, he's mouth's full with the horn. It's just like... Why aren't you saying anything? <laughs> but nobody's going to vote for, four, like, 14 tracks of flugelhorn. I mean, 
mean, speak for yourself. I don't know. <laughs> I do enjoy a good Chuck Mangione tune. I think it's pretty fun that he like actually wrote a song and, t- and entitled it Peggy Hill after the show. Like he's, I mean, he does voice himself on the show. So like, I just want to know like, what is their relationship? Like they're referencing him. He's referencing them. I feel like that's just, that's a profitable relationship on both halves. Like I was, I'm but glad when, you, how did it start? I mean, I think, I think you, uh, chief, uh, keeping a real consultant was right. Because I think that they noticed that he was down on his luck, and they're like, here's a guy, kind of inexpensive, was a big name, we could revive this, it's a funny joke, like, it all just kind of works out, and he's like, this is a little bit of, this is some fame, this is some attention, you get, and I can it got profit my attention. off this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it got my attention. And I'm glad you cleared up the timeline, because I was wondering if it was him referencing them, or them referencing him. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm kind of happy that it was him paying homage to them. When I first noticed that this song existed, I was sort of wondering if they, like, Maybe did that, like, because, like, maybe Peggy was named Peggy because he has a song called Peggy Hill. Yeah. Like, um, how Dust, Dusty is later in, the, what is that, season 10? Oh, Dusty Hill? Dusty Hill from yeah. CZ Top. Yeah, maybe. Um, yeah, maybe, like, maybe Chuck Mangione, the real Chuck Mangione, thinks that the fictional Chuck Mangione maybe was in love with Peggy Hill. Maybe that's why he wrote a song about Peggy Hill. I choose to believe that. It's, I don't know. Maybe it could work. I just, I do really like Chuck Mangione in the show. Don't get me wrong. I love it. It reminds me of like Carl Weathers in Arrested Development. Like just playing like himself, but this slightly skewed, abstract, like. Uh, extremely skewed. Yeah. Just super down on his luck character. But yeah, I can dig it. After we see them watching videos, Bobby's enjoying a nice cold glass of milk while he prepares to watch the Chuck Mangione fire safety video. I think, yeah, I think he's, uh, he's probably halfway through it, judging just by Chuck's dialogue. But just the nod of reassurance that he gives the TV, I was just like, Bobby, I fucking love you. So take it from me, Chuck Mangione. Unplugging the iron feels so good. Can you dig it? <laughs> Can you dig it? Like, yes, I can dig it, and Bobby can too. Just <laughs> I love it when Luann, when he's, when she's like, you should unplug the iron when you're done using it. And he's like, thanks for the tip. Yeah, he totally does it. It's just like, fuck yeah. Like, and it's so funny because, like, like they're into it. Yeah, and like, I didn't really expect, I honestly thought when I first heard the Chuck Mangione joke, I was like, oh, they're just a callback. Like, that's funny. It's a, it's a hard plot point because there would be no, mess to clean up if he didn't sit down and watch that video because I'm sure he didn't watch Risky Business. He went straight to the fire safety video, enjoyed his glass of milk. He was living Risky Business. Yeah, exactly. He doesn't need to watch the show. He is the show. And so he, he wouldn't have placed the glass down on the ca- uh, the coffee table if it wasn't for Chuck. So I just I just noticed that and I appreciated that. I appreciate Bobby so much, especially in these episodes that I'm not like that are lesser in quality that we all feel, I feel. He, like, he really saves the show, and it reminded me so much to say you're in, like, kindergarten or something, and your teacher is just like, children, look both ways before you cross the street, and you're four years old, five years old, and you get to a crosswalk, and you do this obnoxious, like, left, right, left, right, look, and then you walk. Bobby's 12. It's like, it feels like he plugged in that iron just so he could turn it off and plug, like, <laughs> unplug it just to appease the fictional Chuck Mangione. <laughs> what is he ironing? I don't know. At first, His I blue thought, shirts. Yeah, I don't know. At first, I thought it was like a curling iron, and then that didn't make sense. So 
yeah, I don't know, his short pants were wrinkly, I guess. <laughs> a man doesn't need to wear pants in his own house if he doesn't want it. Hell no, he doesn't. Anyway, um, Bobby leaves that glass of milk on the coffee table, sans coaster, and it leaves a ring. And this just is the driving point for uh, Luann and Bobby for the rest of the show. One time, Bins yelled at me for not using a coaster on his coffee table, and then I watched his dog chew on the table, and I was really wondering why I couldn't use a coaster, but his dog was allowed to chew on it. Yeah, that was funny. As soon as you said that, I was like, yeah, fuck it, I don't care. (laughs) My puppy was like three months old at the time, was literally just gnawing away at the bottom of my coffee table, and I didn't stop him, but I stopped our story (laughs) from putting his, whatever it was, beer down. Well, I mean, Denim understands English, and the dog don't. But while uh, Bobby and Luann are having their hilarious freak out to the bit of uh, the ring on the coffee table, we cut back to Hank trying to check into the uh, the hotel where the Boggle tournament's at, and uh, the uh, the concierge or the front desk clerk just giving him such a hard time. I have a Peggy Hill. She's my wife. Oh, okay, um, Mr. and Mrs. Peggy Hill. Now you listen to me. The name is Hank Hill, Mr. Hank Hill. Peggy married me. I didn't marry her. What are you looking at? <laughs> that, that, that I fucking dad. love this. It was yeah. so funny. I laughed so much. Just the oh, the visual sight of just all those guys just going back, just ding, ding, ding. You just see the one guy, the two guy. There must have been like ten of them after the fact, just sitting oh. there, fucking just being bellhops, waiting for him. Oh, I, I know. loved it so much. I love the just generic bellhop character that they have for this episode, and the countless amount of them. Like even when they pull up and do the valet, just like how they're just like pulling at the door handle like rapidly. This guy can't wait to take my truck for a joy ride. <laughs> yeah. And honestly, I just want to say that 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 is a huge plot point because uh, Hank at first can't get over the bellhops near the end. I'll, I'll continue on this later, but he has a huge change in heart. It's funny with that valet scene that Hank says this guy's decision to take my truck for a joyride, and they're like this you know, swanky glass elevator pond with swans in the uh, in the foyer, like a really nice hotel. And Hank's afraid of these valet drivers, and I seen in the extended or sorry, the deleted scenes, that they actually see uh, the valet parking the truck. And Hank's in the back seat, Peggy's still in the front seat, and <laughs> Hank's coaching him how to drive. <laughs> like, you're grinding the gears, put the clutch in. It's like, why didn't Hank just park his own truck? He's literally in, like, the, that little, like, suicide door, like, quarter-ton, like, back seat of his little Ford Ranger, yeah. Yeah, Hank and those valets, that's a great relationship. I Man, I, uh, I wish I had access to those deleted scenes, because... They sound good. I I live upstairs and I have the I actually have two copies of season one on DVD. The the steps are steep. Okay. <laughs> Those steps are treacherous, and the only reason I watched the deleted scenes on this episode is because I was just struggling for content. <laughs> I was like, give me something. That's uh. Six point you getting me drunk? That's funny. I have to work tomorrow. Oh yeah, those are strong beers. All right. Oh yeah! Every podcast in Boston is into manscaping hour. All right, so Peggy and Hank at the Boggle tournament. Pretty, uh, some pretty good one-liners. I, I like that introduction of uh, Joan, the coordinator of the event. She was great. Can anybody give me a good Minnesota accent? 
You want me to make you a wallet? <laughs> you look like you could use a wallet. Would you like to make a wallet? Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I couldn't find who voiced. Uh, her name was Jane? Joan. 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 It was Joan. But that, that voice is Reverend Stroop, who I think we meet in season two, and she becomes the new minister of the, the church. And she is directly from Minnesota. I don't recall the... Yeah. Uh, so she must be like a staff... I'm excited for that uh, that episode. Yeah, it kind of felt like one of those ones that maybe like somebody on staff, like, oh, I gotta do, I do a pretty good Minnesota, and then they're just like, all right, let's do a couple lines. Because she's only in this and the scene right before the final, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. pretty much. Yeah. And again, I just wanted to touch on uh, every time that there was a crowd clapping, I I watched, and yep, even this this uh, scene where she says, "This is you know Peggy, the Boggle Champ from Ireland." Everybody's clapping on different sinks. I like that she gives Hank the coach shirt and the... They went all out, eh? For the swag, for the bogglers. Oh, yeah. And she got a boggle lay. Yeah, the bo- <laughs> I want one of those. We were, like, thinking about bringing boggle over here and just getting, like, just a casual game of boggle going. And then we kind of remembered that boggle fucking sucks. I remember, like, happened, like two weeks ago when we were camping and a friend of ours found boggle where we were camping. And everyone was like, put that the fuck back wherever you found it. We were camping at your cabin. So you have Shit ain't my boggle. I swear. I was just holding it for a friend. (laughs) And then Hank sent, Joan sends Hank up to the CCTV room. Yeah, the closed circuit television viewing room. Yeah. And uh, he... Is just like flabbergasted that he has to sit up there in his coach's <laughs> shirt and watch this. Like he can't even coach from up there. Like, well, no coaches on the gaming floor while the play is on it. I guess except for pencils, there's the only exception in the finals. But it's almost like they are unnecessary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean that's a pretty good point. I don't know if you watched the Ireland tournament. I'm pretty sure the coach of one of the wives was asleep behind Dale and Hank. <laughs> yeah, we <laughs> I loved that. I think I only noticed him on the second viewing, but it was like, fuck, like, nice touch. Yeah, they. Um, but he's up there and he meets uh, Brent uh, Cobb. Burnett Cobb. Yeah. I'm never going to say that right. Brent is just too normal of a name. It has to be Burnett. Huh. Vowel cubes are running cold. Uh, coach's note, it's a good day for sometimes why. Hey, Cobb, for seven fifty, I can ride the mower that cut the grassy knoll. I just just not care. It's like, that's kind of neat. Like, I'd pay $7.50 for that. Yeah, at first I thought maybe Hank was just trying to interrupt his coach's note, but I think Ham- Hank was being totally sincere. He was just stoked that he could ride that same mower. Well, Hank was looking for, like, a bonding moment with, you know, he's stuck in the room with all the guys. That's so he's point. like, hey, Mowers are sweet. Like, can we, like, talk about mowers? I'm really excited about mowers this weekend. Like, maybe he knew about the mower expo going on. Yeah, but no, this guy is more into Boggle than Hank. And also, another reason as to why I care less about this, because it's not even like, like, that sissy cop, clearly her life runs around Boggle. And, like, this guy, her husband is super into it as well. So it's like... Well, yeah, no shit. She's been... The Texas State Boggle Champ for nine unconsecutive years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't think we actually talked about Sissy Cobb yet, did we? Did we introduce much, her no. or her husband? Uh, Sissy. Smallmouth. Yeah, so Sissy Cobb is the, the big swinging, you know, whatever in Texas Boggle. Whatever. Yeah, she's won 
uh, nine on consecutive years, and her husband Burnett is her is her coach. And Sissy Cobb is voiced by Laurie Metcalf. Uh, Who's that? She's best known for her role in Roseanne. She played Jackie Harris, Roseanne's younger sister. Uh, don't know. Yeah, not a show I watched. No, it sucks. Definitely a show I skipped. It still sucks. And now uh, she's racist, so I'm allowed to hate it. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, and, like, before I even saw Burnett talk, I totally thought it was a play on, like, a trophy wife, but it was a trophy husband, you know, like, where he doesn't really know a lot, doesn't wear the pants, and he's just there to kind of be a pretty face, but... He had some shit to say about vowels. Yes, yeah, I, obvi- I was obviously proven wrong. But, but that I, was just my first thought when I first again, saw that couple. if Hank... So this guy automatically, like, isn't... He's, like, anti to Hank, but he's not, like, stepping on Hank's toes. Yeah, it's not So there's no conflict. So it's not interesting. It's like, if this guy was the safety on the team that was, you know, he took Hank down every time. Injured him or something. Like, yeah, or just even just won the game by taking Hank down. Like, that would be, like, kind of cool. For me, Denim... The reason I think that this episode went the way it did and not the way that we're all hoping it would have went is because it's simply too early in the series. I think for Hank to have these football rivals, it would have had him been introduced in an early episode. I just don't think there's enough time in 22 minutes to uh, you know, start this rivalry between these people that we haven't met yet. Being that the most of the episodes we've covered so far in season one have been basically just expanding the character role, right? Well, they, I think they could have introduced... Well, they certainly have introduced his his pride of his football past previously. Yep. And uh, I think this could have been a good introduction to a present-day rivalry that involves Peggy and involves him in his present day and what matters to him at the present time, which is Peg. And, like, it's no longer... He's no longer a football star. He's resigned to that idea. So now it's Peggy being a boggle star. I agree with both of you because you're right. That's a great storyline. Um, but anyways, so she's back at the hotel crying her face off and like Hank's trying to console her. Oh, you're smarter than me. That's not saying much. <laughs> well, what do you do? I am the smartest hillbilly in hillbilly town. <laughs> oh, come on now. You're still doing better than uh, boggle playing chicken. <laughs> it's like, why? So this must be after... Or is this before that Peggy actually plays against the buckle playing chicken? This is right before. Right, right before. Because right okay. she's ranked one above them. Yeah. But she's, she's at z- she's two fifty four. He's two fifty five. So they must be both at zero then, right? Because she yeah. <laughs> and Peggy's just like ahead of, it, of the chicken because she's a human. And like when she's finished playing the chicken, like you noticed in the sissy match, they recited each other's words. They just went straight to Peggy Hill and said, you won, because she put some words down. As far as I'm concerned, uh, having one word and it being not a word, that's negative one. Yeah. Peggy should be at negative one. She should be minus. And I think... I don't know the scoring of Boggle, but... I think any Boggle match should be just referred to as a sissy match. (laughs) (laughs) So Peggy has completed her first sissy match of the Sunday of the Boggle tournament, and... Sunday, 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 you know where Hank is. I have a guess he's at the mower show. After running to the guys in the lobby, and I think we missed my favorite part where they walk in and they're observing how nice the hotel is and Bill goes, I feel like the pretty woman. <laughs> <laughs> I want 
I want Bill's shirt. Yeah, that shirt. <laughs> I like I when I first like that scene where he's like, "Oh, I feel like pretty woman." That shirt, it's, it's kind of blurred out, and I was trying to make it out. And it says, "It says my other car is a mower." I know when they zoomed in on us, like, yes, yes, it is. Fuck yeah, Bill's got some solid shirts, and I'm sure we're gonna talk about them in the future. And like, I don't think this is a shirt that Bill just bought. Like, I think he went and got it made specifically for the Moro Expo just so he... he'd make a few friends walking in and they'd be like, hey, dude, nice shirt. And, like, that's all Bill's got going for him in his life. Like, just comparing himself to, like, not just the pretty woman, but any pretty woman. <laughs> like, Bill's the furthest thing from pretty. Bill does kind of make, does make me feel like he's the guy who does drive to the liquor store for more beer on his mower because he's too drunk to drive his car. <laughs> That's the kind of guy he is. Yeah, no doubt. But you can get a DUI on a mower. You've never seen those episodes of Cops? I know country singer George Jones got a DUI <laughs> while riding a mower. Hell yeah. And you know who else rode a mower? Liberace's mower, no flash photography. <laughs> Liberace's mower, I mean... I like I love the idea of Liberace caring about the mower that one of his fleet of <laughs> gardeners is hired. He's like I never want to see something without glitter oh, in my sight. It's the most impractical lawnmower ever built. It has like a candle like fucking holder as like the candelabra. Yeah, it's like the uh, like where the logo would go on like a fancy car or like the, the on like the emblem, right? It's, it's just covered in jewels and rubies and the other big attraction at the lawnmower that they're hype at the lawnmower expo that they're hyping up. And on display in booth 5, the blade from Sling Blade. There it is. French for potatoes. <laughs> Have you never seen Sling Blade? I've never seen Sling Blade. So Sling Blade, made in 1996, starring Billy Bob Thornton uh, in the lead role. It's set in rural Arkansas. The film tells the story of a man named Carl Childers who has an intellectual disability and is released from a psychiatric hospital where he has lived since killing his mother and her lover when he was 12 years old. After he's released, the story revolves around the friendship he develops with a young boy and his mother. But we do have another connection to King of the Hill with that movie, do we not? Because I believe there's one certain star in the movie Sling Blade who is referenced in King of the Hill. It must be my favorite singer, a Mr. Dwight Yoakam. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Plays the ab abusive stepdad. But anyway, uh, Lays with Beeb, the quick rundown of that movie is uh, basically it's a... Uh, Billy Bob Thorne plays like a very you know handicapped uh, special needs guy who befriends uh, a young man in the town, and he's I don't know I don't know how to describe it. It is slow. I could see maybe how your how your dad thought it was like watching paint dry, but it's it's a it's a cool movie. I bought it on VHS, and it was it was it was great. actually directed by Billy Bob Thornton as well. Yeah, and it won Oscars. Yeah. yeah. Oh, interesting. Sling blade was that? So is the sling blade a mower blade? What's a sling blade? It's mean? hard to say. I remember from the movie that he he goes like Carl, the the uh, the character that Billy Bob plays. He he goes. I call it a sling blade. Other people call it this. Like it's it's it has a, a many different. He's names. He's referring like, to the mower blade. To the blade itself. Yeah. Okay. I'm pretty sure it's a sling. Like it is a lawnmower blade, but it has something to do with that. So maybe I should just watch the movie before asking more questions. It's a cool movie. And uh, moving on, I suppose, at the mower show, the guys are all having a blast, and Hank seems to start to look around, and everything seems to remind him of Peggy. And I think there's a clip that Bill says that really uh, pulls it all together for Hank. 
Now, I tell you, I haven't had this much fun since our last football road trip. Remember when we went to state? No peg was there. Remember? They lost. <laughs> and it's one of Bill's best memories. They lost, but they had a good time. And Hank is understanding that Peggy is having her moment. And he no needs dope. to go back. And the reason that he notices that is, be- is because the mulch thing is, like, spitting it out. So it looks kind of like a hourglass. Exactly. That's, and that's one of them. I think that I just... I love this mower show idea, and I think there's an a, there's so many storylines that could come from a solo mower show. I mean, this is the ninth annual mower show, so it could be that you know maybe they go to the tenth in a later season. But um, yeah, I'm right there with you. It would be great. Maybe each season, every other season, a couple times at least. Like, there's the annual road trip to Dallas. Like, what else? How you happens from that, right? The the possibilities are endless. And this, like, I just want to state that, yeah, this is our first trip. I mean, I know in the Order of the Straight Arrow, see, in episode three, we had uh, a trip out to like John Wayne State Park, was some, it something like that? But it's, uh, but it's, you know, like to me, that feels like going to the lakes. Yeah, that's a backyard. trip. That's like, yeah, that's like, a, yeah, we're getting in the car and driving for half an hour, but. We're not going anywhere not of interest. Going to somewhere where we got to get there before the gangs wake up. Yeah, exactly. And 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 just as the first trip to Dallas, I think this was underwhelming. I feel like maybe they tried to do too much. Maybe that mower show was kicking around for a while, and they just wanted to get it out the door before season one was over, and maybe it didn't get picked back up. But I don't know. I just I think that this episode is a bit too ambitious. I'm Brent Steele, and with me is Boggle Grandmaster Alexei Golgarin. Thanks, Brent. This should be a great final match. Two great Bogglers. Only one will be winner. <laughs> it really shows uh, to the versatility of Toby Huss, who voices Cotton and Cotton. Is that Toby Huss? That's Toby Huss, yeah. yeah. I really enjoyed how he pronunciated his P's. Is it pants? Yeah, he, he does a great Russian accent. And maybe that's why you keep feeling the need to call Burnett Brent because of Mr. Brent Steele. Maybe that screwed you up. Oh, uh, maybe. I maybe I was just thinking of I in my mind I was thinking of like a I I ended up thinking about I wanted the football guy. So I was kind of trying I was going mm-hmm. for Brent would have that's been a, a good anti-Hank. Yeah, that's that's a good one. So I did a little bit of research and Alexei Golgren not fucking real. <laughs> there are no Boggle champions listed anywhere. Ever. I looked him up as well, and all I found was a whole bunch of weird, like, Russian people that were just had, Go- like, Golgarin as a last name, and, like, it, it got into, like, the Romanov dynasty and shit, and I was yeah. like, this is getting dank, where's Boggle? Uh, I've made probably 50 searches of different spellings of this name. Nowhere does it exist. Y- you mean that there isn't a single Boggle champ listed anywhere? Nowhere. There's no tournament. Go find it. You, you get, all you get is the Boggle Wikipedia page. And then Google saying, did you mean bags? Did you mean bagels? Like, I probably meant bagels. Yeah. And the Boggle Wikipedia page is actually all shaken up in random letters. You have to put it together yourself. <laughs> the letters are sideways and upside down. <laughs> and you only have a minute before the page expires. Yeah. Every paragraph is in five by five. <laughs> anyway, so this Russian guy, he's got one more line that I was just like, yes, he's back. Peggy Hill is down to her last pencil. She has no more pencils in reserve. 
everything rides on this pencil. <laughs> oh, Alexi, you're so articulate. <laughs> uh, I love it when Peggy's just like mm, fucking gnawing on the pencil and her teeth are just like orange and black. Yeah. So while Alexi and Brent Steele are narrating, the Peggy's actually back facing Sissy Cobb for the championship and I have it written down here that Peggy needs to learn to play Boggle without fucking hang around because Peggy is just like so stressed out. She's panicking. She's delaying the the start of the championship match because her coach and husband isn't there. But he was never really there. She just thought he was there. But half the time, he, he you know he wasn't. He was just in, in a room watching All it. All Saturday, but, he was at at the Mower Show. He was at the Mower Show. So Hank puts his cape on and he shows up uh, thirty seconds into the championship match to hand Peggy. Another pencil, and I think pencil. another, yeah, pencil, and a few, a uh, few words of encouragement, and this sets the scene for the the big blowout between Peggy Hill and Sissy Cobb. Which uh, I don't know. I wasn't overly excited for Peggy. Good job, way to go. She beat her. It was like the lesser of two evils, I think. Like what you guys stated earlier. Yes, Sissy Cobb was just extremely. You know, irritating. She's just dislikable. Yeah, and you know, she's she's being even more arrogant than Peggy and calling her patches, which was kind of funny because she had this stupid jacket <laughs> on. Yeah, and she and she did one of those words that was like cartographer, but she didn't write down cart, right? Like she did like the long word, and not the it, small one. Harpsichord, and she didn't write down harp, harp or, or chord. chord. Like that is an arrogant play. Like absolutely, that's a bold gambit, as Alexa would say. But uh, speaking of patches. Uh, I just, when she was saying who she was sponsored by, of course, Mr. Lube's obvious, but there was Dairy King and the other one was so funny. Sump pumps. Yeah. (laughs) So good. I looked him up. Yeah, I couldn't find anything on him. I just thought it was good that she was, she was sponsored by a sump pump company. Yeah, exactly. And Mr. Lube even got their name in there. Well, hell, I mean, the Elks were raising money to get their treasure out of jail or something like that. They had, they had to do anything. Yeah, that's another thing. It's like, let's go back to that for, like, one second. Like, you like, guy, I hope it's not embezzlement. Cause like, it has to be. Yeah. Like, that guy is stealing money, and they're just unaware of it. Like, it has to be. Yeah, they're so unaware that they're trying to get him out of jail for him to strike again. <laughs> it's like he was stealing money from you. Yeah, exactly. Most likely. So anyways, she pulls this arrogant move, and then Peggy comes back with acquaintanceship and, and wins. Because quaint ain't no word. Yeah, exactly. Nice. Ain't ain't no word, but it ain't ain't. Some bad ain't. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but there's a line slipped in that I'm sure you all heard because we're, we're all geared for it, but fuck, it's good. What an incredible upset. Peggy Hill is the new Texas State Buggle Champion. Now back to a description of the hotel fire safety procedures with your host, Chuck Mangione. <laughs> I love, he just has a series of videos, safety videos that he's done for various like, safety I mean, companies. Man, maybe we're missing something. Maybe I should have researched Chuck Mangione and fire like more, but yeah, he's turned out to be like the Smokey the Bear, but with a beard and a flugelhorn. Yeah. Like he's just all about fire safety. Yeah, no, that's, that's good. And low, low deals. The episode comes to uh, about a close around this point, right? Well, but first we got to get Peggy and Hank making up. And, uh, uh, this struck me as really, really weird. Maybe it's, 
No, it's definitely weird. So Hank says um, to Peggy, you know, something along the lines of, you know, Coach said he would do something for us if we oh, ever won. And then he just takes Peg into, like, a real embrace and gives her, like, a big old smooch. Big caress. And I did, was like, what did Coach say he exactly would do? that. I don't, like, what? Make love with them? Like if you guys turn this around, I'll love you so much. I kiss you on the lips. I'm sure. I'm sure that's kind of how it went. Yeah, I just think it's and weird it went that too hung, far. That like stuck with Hank for ten years, twenty years. How long ago was high school? I mean, it's twenty. Emotional trauma stays with you forever, right? So Peg, Hank and Peggy make up. Peggy is the Texas State Boggle Champion. She defeats Sissy Cobb, and they head back to the Hill Residence. Well. Bobby and Luann are still frantically trying to clean up the small little mess that they made. Now it's just gotten ten times worse. Bobby spills a jug of varnish. He brings in the greasiest, most <laughs> hilarious, the only on-call carpet shampoo company in Ireland that's going to show up on a Sunday afternoon. These guys are hilarious. They all have mullets. They're drinking beer. In the deleted scenes, the one guy thinks that Bobby and Luann are married, and it's their <laughs> And it's, it's, it's one of the standouts of the episode for me. And, yeah, it's after the credits roll, and Hank and Peggy, they show up back from Dallas. And Hank, for some reason, he assumes they're Bobby's friends. Like Luann's classmates. Yeah, he assumes they're their friends. He goes, what were you thinking? You got school tomorrow, school right? Because they're all drinking beers. And, like, these guys are just ripping Bobby and Luann off, right? Like... And, like, all those guys have, like, smocks on, like, overalls, right? Like, they, they look like if they came to, like, a high school party that they all dressed up in fucking uniforms. <laughs> Hank seems completely blind to everything going on in his house. He's just like, oh, I gave them one instruction. They didn't follow it. Because yeah. it was funny because when they were leaving, uh, Peggy says no parties. Mm-hmm. And it's like, Bobby's 12. <laughs> Luann's, like, 18, 19, 20. Do you think they're going to be throwing a party together? Like, but imagine no? how much better the episode would have been if had they tried to do something like that. Oh, it would have been great. I just want to say I was at our friend Connor's house when me and him were 12 hanging out. And his 16-year-old brother would throw parties. And that was... That's fun. That was pretty fun. That's fun. My theory on this episode is that they really thought that Boggle Championship would be funnier than it ended up being. I think that they really figured that they would be like, oh, Peggy plays Boggle at a tournament for state, and the episode writes itself. And I feel like they went out and they wrote uh, bare bones of a script, and then when they came back, the writer's room kicked around a bunch of Boggle jokes, and nothing really stuck, because... Realistically, there's like what two, three, four, like tops three, like boggled actual jokes in this, and I think that they really thought there was gonna be more. I mean, I think the chicken plane boggle is representative of the fact that there are literally no jokes to make boggle a funny topic, yeah. and so they really yeah ham fisted everything in to this episode. And then it was like, well, this episode sucks, so what is good in King of the Hill? Hank and mowers. So they threw together a mower 
thing and really I just feel like this was this feels rushed. So I just feel like realistically Hank could have easily planned this to make it happy for both of them. But they needed conflict and I feel like they went the wrong route to find that conflict. Yeah, you uh definitely summed it up quite nicely. Uh me not having as many King of the Hill episodes to compare this to. I really only have the nine that we've already seen. And I'm not going to put it on the bottom of my list. Um, I didn't... I laughed out loud, I think, once. And you're right, it's not the funniest of episodes, but I think I like it more than Square Peg. Just personally, just thinking about Peggy episodes, we really only have two. Uh, I'd rather watch this one again than Square Peg again. So that's the rewatchability factor that I'd give this a little bit more credit for. Just because there are some funny jokes. Like It's actually funny you'd mention that. Because last night when I was finished watching this one for the seventh time, I decided I'd like... I wanted to go to sleep with some good King of the Hill rolling around in my brain. Yep. And I rewatched episode one and two. And I believe episode two is Square Peg. Yep. The sex ed episode. Mm-hmm. And I... I loved it again. I laughed. Really? I I laughed out loud watching that one last night. Did like, you Did you like it the first time around that we talked about it? I think so. I, I always thought remember. that was a unanimous uh, hated episode, but uh, no. I could be mistaken. I, either way, my opinion is. That I mean, that episode is uh, lost. Fair enough. So we're gonna find. We're gonna have to re-record that one probably. Yeah, no doubt. Just looking through my notes from Square Peg, and it's about the same amount of content as the episode that we just talked about, but there was just, like, one-liners, like, like Dooley saying your dad lost his job and Bobby being like, I don't know who, anybody who wants to have sex with me, but anyway, tip of the spear, what were your thoughts? Just a Randy Jackson, it's going to be a no for me, dog. Well, I think that concludes this Order of the Straight Arrow meeting. It was great to have you all here. Let's get a three-finger salute from our boys at the table. Hand over your heart for those listening. And let's get a nice big Wima Tanya. Wima Tanya! Signing off. Want to hear more Order of the Straight Arrow? Join the conversation on Twitter at Utsakothpod or follow us on Instagram at Utsakothpod or look for us on Facebook at Order of the Straight Arrow, a King of the Hill podcast. Catch new episodes every Sunday night. Please share this podcast with your friends and feel free to contact us by email at utsakothpod at gmail.com. Please, no hate mail. Yeehaw! Hey, what you crying for, boy? It's a good show. This is a damn good show. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are our own and in no way reflect the views and opinions of Mike Judge, Greg Daniels, or Fox Studios. The external audio used in this podcast is not owned by the Order of the Straight Arrow or its affiliates and is presented in good faith to its copyright owners. Please don't sue us.